another episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Becker. How is everybody doing? It's Friday. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. I know for those who are working at home, this kind of seems like an extended uh, vacation for you all. But we have a great show today, so don't worry. We have a great show. I have writer from Cantina Media, uh, Brian Sosa, and also a you know Brian's also a huge Lightning fan, so he's going to be on the show today. We're going to talk about a little about a little bit about uh, sports betting. We're going to talk about obviously how the Lightning were doing thus far in the season. We're going to talk about uh, their chances going forward against Boston. Um, you know, as those two teams kind of look like they're on a you know, a collision course, if you will, if you could say that, uh, to meet uh, again in the playoffs. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to put on a, a commissioner hats a little bit. We're going to discuss, you know, if, what some of our ideas about how the NHL should approach uh, bringing back the NHL season. You know, um, like I spoke on my show yesterday, uh, you know, the, this, there was reports coming out saying that the the season looked like the, the NHL was kind of aiming for a July start with the playoffs being in August and September with a month off in October and resuming things up in November. I don't know if that's reasonable at this point. Um, you know, it's, I feel like if they just play a, you know, a couple of games or not, uh, they will be fine. But anyway, here's my interview with Brian. So now I'm going to introduce my guest on Lockdown Lightning. He is a sports writer. Uh, he writes about sports betting uh, and online gaming for Cantina Media, and he's also a self-proclaimed softball gold glove. Uh, I'm having Brian Sosa on the show. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, thank you. It's great to talk to you, man. It's, it feels like the old days all over again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for my listeners that do not know, uh, Brian and I worked in the old days alongside uh, Lockdown Rangers host, John Chick uh, at MLB.com as well as NHL.com. So we kind of have like a mini reunion going on. Maybe uh, in the future we'll have the three of us together. Oh, all we need is uh, a playoff series like 2015 and, and we can get the rivalry going. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, obviously the reason I have you on today is, you know, other than, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, just this absolutely just dead period for all of us in the sports biz uh, going on with this whole coronavirus thing. But you're also a big time Lightning fan. So, you know, um, we're going to be I'm going to get your opinion. I want to know your opinion about how the team was doing thus far. But before I get into that, I just want to ask you something. Since you cover everything in, in the gambling and sports betting world, along with being a Lightning fan, I have to ask you if you would agree where Vegas places the Lightning chances currently at winning the cup. And that's at plus 400. Do you think that's right along where the team is right now, or do you think that maybe they're underselling uh, the Lightning? Well, the first thing I just got to ask you is where you where 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 where, where we're getting numbers from, because I actually see the Lightning, depending on where you look, they, they're second behind Boston, but plus 700. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I believe yeah, I got well, like one of those, you know, those uh, foreign, I think it was like betting online or something like that. Yeah, um, well, there's, a, there's a lot of them, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was I was just wondering. So since let's go off your odds, you said seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're seven hundred. Yeah. So do you think that maybe right along the lines of where they should be, or do you think Vegas is underselling them right now? I think they're. I think it's in a pretty good spot, and I say that because Tampa's right behind Boston, and you have to assume. Well, you don't have to assume because anything can happen. We saw that last year, but Boston and the Lightning are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, and you have to assume the second-round matchup, they're going to play each other. 
So while both teams are still alive, I don't think that any one of them are going to have odds that are too low or too high because they're going to have to run into each other. So from an odd standpoint, it makes sense that they're right behind uh, Boston uh, for and at plus 700. You know, I kind of like it. I mean, there's probably more value on some other teams maybe in the playoffs. But, I mean, for us being Lightning supporters and people who watch this team, I am hard-pressed to think there are many teams in the NHL with a better chance of winning the Cup. What do you think? Uh, You know, I think that, you know, it would be hard not to put your money on, you know, either one of these teams, especially since, you know, the Lightning have so many players that are, you know, kind of on the rough patch in terms of dealing with injuries. I feel like, the team that you saw for the past couple of weeks isn't obviously the team you're going to get in the playoffs. So I think that in a way you could say they're being undersold, but that actually brings me to my next question. I was wondering, you know, since they get like, once they get Hedman and Stamkos back and Ruta and, you know, everyone seems like they should be uh, healed up by the time, you know, the season comes back. Do you think that those odds are going to, you know, stay around there? Or do you think they're going to get like a, a little bit of a bump, a bump in the odds where they'll maybe uh, be a little bit closer to Boston. Yeah, that's a really great point because you have to figure that obviously Stamkos and Hedman coming back and being healthy, if they're healthy before the playoffs begin, I could definitely see a situation where Tampa and Boston ends up with the same exact odds. There is one, one site that has the Bruins and Tampa with the exact same odds to win the Eastern conference. So to right. me, if you don't have much of a difference between a team winning the conference, then, you know, you're getting more value on Tampa to win the cup. And a reason why I really do, you know, like to bet on Tampa is really for the reason, like you said, Tampa, uh, Stamkos and Hedman were going to be out into the very first playoff series if the schedule had remained where it was. As it turns out, this awful uh, dead period, as you called it, is actually going to help the Lightning from a health perspective. And after what happened in the first round last year, going into a first round series fully healthy with your very best players is maybe even more important for a team like Tampa than some others. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I mentioned on a couple of shows, especially, I believe it was on my emergency show the day the league announced that they were going to postpone the rest of the season that, you know, the positive side about all this is that you're getting a healthy team once the playoffs start back up, whether they, they, they decide whether to just resume the season or they just jump into the playoffs. I think this is the best thing for this team. Um, even even more so for, I believe, you know, Vasilevsky. It looked like he was kind of off those last couple of games. Even though they, they did win, it just seemed like something was missing from, from his repertoire that you normally don't see from him. Yeah, I think we saw starting maybe around Christmas, everything really started to click. January and February looked like the first few months of last season. This team was just running through everybody that they faced. It was Vasilevsky. It was, it was really everything. Uh, but I, I do think that this team, maybe even more than most, like I said, benefits from a break, especially because the regular season for the Lightning the past couple of years has been a little bit of – you know, we already knew what was going to happen. The team was going to go to the playoffs. They were going to score a ton of goals on their way there. It's just when they get to the playoffs, you know, what's going to happen? And right. so even if, the last, even if the last 10 or 12 games of this regular season were, were canceled, it makes a difference for a lot of teams, but specifically for the Lightning. I mean, this whole season's already been about the playoffs a little bit, hasn't it? Right, absolutely. Um, I think the one, the big game, if you're going to kind of look at this, this, this season and, you know, 
kind of pick and pick some games that kind of, you know, stand out to you as to, oh, this team is definitely ready for the playoffs. Um, the one game that definitely stuck out to me was that 2-1 OT win against Pittsburgh that they played on, uh, I believe it was on national television, and it, it just felt like a playoff game the entire time back in February. Um, yeah, it was just, oh, yeah. just the way they, you know, obviously Pittsburgh isn't, you know, as good as they were during those cup runs, but they're still, you know, not a team that you should take lightly. And just I think that that was the one game, especially, you know, since we've gotten the show up and running that, you know, it really stuck out to me to where you could see the Lightning were, you know, kind of ready and look like a real, you know, playoff ready team. Um, and, you know, that was actually during the run um, where they were racking off 11 in a row. And that's what surprised me the most about when things kind of got out of hand and they dropped four straight. Um, did you see anything like this happening or did you just think that they were going to continue winning for much longer? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. I, what I can say is that them going through a couple of rough patches early in the season in October, November, uh, after the big losing, big winning streak, and even the first few games in March, they, you know, they lost three out of five. But them facing a little bit of adversity and figuring out how to come back from it, as opposed to last year, where it was really the path of least resistance until they got to the playoffs. I think that by facing a little adversity in the regular season is probably uh, best for this team. And going off what you said, you know, Tampa played Boston twice in the first uh, week of, of March. And at home, uh, the Lightning lost 2-1 and then came back six days later, went to Boston, scored five goals, and, and frankly, they beat up the Bruins. And those kind of, those kind of games – I would have seen maybe Tampa losing in years past, especially going on the road, especially when they aren't playing their best hockey, maybe. So, you know, I'm actually pretty encouraged by the way that they've responded from the rough patches. And a big difference is this team this year plays a lot more defense than we've seen in years past. Right. Absolutely. Um, that was definitely something encouraging that I was super excited to see that, you know, the way they were able to bounce back uh, during these rough patches. But the thing that kind of uh, made me, was making me nervous was that they kind of ever since they kind of, you know, got out of that that four game rough patch, um, they kind of they turned into a sort of Jekyll and Hyde kind of team where they I believe it was it could have been maybe the Habs game or even one of the Boston games where they came out. They probably had like three shots on net um, in the first period, and then they just turn it on in the second. And that kind of turns into how, if you look at their results, like you just said, you know, they went into Boston on that Tuesday. They won, they lost 2-1, and then they, you know, they they dominate the Habs, and then they win in Boston on Saturday. But then they lose in a shootout to, you know, one of the worst teams in the NHL in the Red Wings. Um, is that something that, you know, have fans should be worried about? I mean, um, Lightning fans should be worried about because they – you could see certain moments, especially during the uh, the winning streak, where they were kind of, I don't know, they were they were getting away with certain mistakes and bad habits, and then it looked like just when they were starting to correct it, they would just go back to their old ways. Is that maybe a coaching thing, or or is that something that maybe it's just some players have to get used to, especially with the new additions that came on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the balance, right? Trying to figure out what responsibility lies on, on Coop and what responsibility lies on the players. It really does feel like this team does get off to a lot of slow starts, a lot, a lot more than a lot of us would like to see. Those games that you just mentioned, they, 
you know, they had a few things in common. You know, the first game against Boston, they gave up the first goal. The game against Detroit, they gave up the first goal. And against Toronto, they gave up the first goal. You know, they went into the first intermission down a goal. And for a team with this much firepower, that in itself isn't really the big issue. But getting off to slow starts and leaving Bassey out to dry a little bit early in games is something this team can't afford to do. Um, it's a little bit opposite of what happened, you know, last year, game one against, you know, Columbus, they're up three, nothing halfway through the game. And then they kind of go into a shell. Whereas this year, it's a little bit in reverse where the slow starts are coming in the beginning. And then the team kind of seems to kick it into gear, but not playing a 60 minute game would probably be, you know, the largest concern for any fan if, if we had to pick one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just super frustrating when, you know, but the one thing I could tell, even though they have gotten off the slow starts, they have done a very good job of, you know, ironically scoring the first goal. But the issue I have is that it seems even later on in the game, whenever they, they get one up um, and they kind of put a little bit of distance between themselves and the other team and, you know, the score sheet, it seems like maybe minutes, almost seconds later, they just give it up. Um, you know, that's that I think that, though, that has to do in play with them losing McDonough and you know, just and Ruta. And so I think that, you know, hopefully with this team going forward, that maybe that's something that they could keep an eye on. And I don't know about you. I mean, it was just super frustrating to see them, you know, play that way, especially with all, like you said, they just have all this firepower and all this talent. And it seemed like, especially with a lot of, you know, their, their slow starts that, you know, they realized they didn't have it on early and then they would just put the weight of the game on Vazzy. And then, you know, they expected him to 35 saves out there, and you're just not going to get a shutout from that guy every night, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a great point. I think for me personally, when I watch the team, the number one thing I worry about even more than wins and losses in any one particular game is how much Vassie is left out to dry. If the team gives up 30 or 40 scoring chances and he has to save you every night, it's not the recipe uh, for success in the postseason. So I think this team over the last couple of years we've seen, it knows it can score. It knows it can create chances basically whenever it wants, but it also makes it more frustrating when you watch them play so well. And then you wonder, well, then how come we were spending the first 20 minutes of the game, you know, not really uh, putting it together. But, you know, as I mentioned before, this team has done a lot better job with, you know, defensive structure as a whole this year. Some games it has definitely been, you know, a bit, a bit touch and go. It's not fully consistent, but what you said about the injuries has a lot to do with it too. Those top four defensemen, including uh, Chernak as well, get a ton of minutes and those guys have to be healthy. Right. Absolutely. Um, and the thing that kind of, you know, I just touched a little bit on the end of the, you know, my last question to you about the trade deadline. Do you think that they could have made another move for a defenseman, maybe picking up a guy like, Sammy Vantanen, or are you okay with Zach Bogosian? I know, like, the trade deadline was over a month ago, but, you know, since, uh, you know, we have a dead period and, you know, this is the, your first time on the show, I want to get your on that. Yeah. Yeah, depth, depth is welcome, you know, if they could have gotten. I thought that the Coleman, the Coleman deal was great, really, for both sides because the Devils benefited from that as well. But uh, I, I love the Coleman deal. Uh, Bogosian, depth is welcome. Sure, it would have been nice to – it would have been nice to get another, maybe a big difference-making defenseman, especially. But what I will say is we know a lot of guys on the team are currently under contract, and there isn't exactly a ton of salary cap of room there. So I can understand, you know, maybe where Bruce was a little bit 
a little bit hamstrung. But I do, you know, as long as at least three of those top four defensemen are healthy, I think that they're in a pretty good spot. Right. And, you know, even though they didn't necessarily pick up, you know, a top notch or a, a shutdown defenseman, um, they, I thought that since, you know, he's been on the team, Barkley Goodrow has been an absolutely incredible surprise. You know, I didn't think that, you know, I knew he was a, a very good rough and tumble gritty player, but I didn't think he was going to be this kind of player. Um, you know, obviously he's not the kind of player who's going to like a scoring sheet, but to be able to, especially in that Boston game, the way, him, I believe him and Wagner went at it a couple of times. And that's something I believe that, you know, this team was missing all year as well um, and could definitely be a vital uh, component going into the playoffs. Um, what do you think about what do you think about Barkley Goodrow? I think he's one of my favorite uh, lightning players right now, other than Alex Kalorn. Yeah, I know you love killer. I was going to bring that up, too. But in, along <laughs> the same a little bit along the same uh, path, like is they bring a little bit of sandpaper is something to, you know, the bottom, the bottom six that this team needs, you know, other than Cedric Paquette, the past couple of years, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of physical presence. And I think it's something that, you know, definitely hurt the team in last year's playoff series and in the playoffs in general, it's so much more physical uh, than the regular season. So having guys that aren't afraid to get in there and, you know, mix it up, it's the exact reason why Pat Maroon was, you know, brought on board. So having a little bit of sandpaper, you know, down low there, teams aren't going to take liberties with Cooch and they're not going to take liberties with Braden Point, um, you know, and some of your other top guys when there are others to answer the bell. And, you know, the Lightning really haven't had that the past couple of years. Right. That's the thing that, you know, really stuck out to me, especially during that, that losing streak. Granted, you know, they only lost four games in a row, but the way they were losing and you could just see the, you know, how, how upset these guys were on the bench, you know, during these games, how frustrated they were. But on the other side of that, you know, you didn't really see anyone really trying to get the team riled up or anything at that point. So it seemed like, you know, I didn't want to, I, I never want to come on the show and criticize these guys in terms of, you know, their work, work ethic and as if they're trying hard or not. But at the same time, it's frustrating, especially when a team is up and down as much as this team uh, before they got Coleman and, you know, Bogosian and, and Goodrow, it was it was super frustrating for them, you know, not to see really anybody go out there and, you know, just say, hey, boys, like, come on, let's go. And, you know, I think definitely losing Stamkos and, you know, because you can't expect Patrick Maroon to go out there and fight everybody every night. That's what I said on one of my shows. You know, it's you can't just lay all the burden on him. And I, I'm sure if you when you were watching that Boston game, uh, it was pretty it was kind of embarrassing, especially when they had a report. Uh, they were talking about Barkley Goodrow and. Um, Pierre Maguire flat out said that this team has been soft all year and Barkley Goodrow was kind of, you know, to, to, you know, to copy your own point just there saying, you know, he's kind of like the salt, the sandpaper for this team now. So, um, you know, it, it was just frustrating. I'm sure like, especially someone as you who, you know, who, who watches this team as much as I do and all the, the hardcore lightning fan, they're definitely, you know, it's definitely kind of embarrassing uh, hearing that on national television. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was, yes, I remember, you know, <laughs> I was like, did Pierre really actually say that on national television? Surprise! Look, the it's a, <laughs> yeah, look, Pierre's on TV. Anybody can have, you know, any opinion that they want, you know. And I, but I almost, you know, I, I almost laugh a little bit and laugh now because if you wanted to say a little bit, as I was alluding to before, that maybe some of the Lightning teams in the past needed to play a bit more physical not be so one-dimensional with only being an offensive team. You know, I could see that. But 
adding some of the guys that they've added this year, uh, you know, I, I don't think that this team, you know, plays soft. That's a, that's not the, that's not an S word. I would uh, be, uh, be comfortable with, you know, yeah, and, and it, it, and if they hear it, you know, it really should, you know, set you off. No soft team goes into the NHL playoffs and wins the Stanley cup. So I'd be putting that on the bulletin board. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely, yeah. I'm surprised that nobody even came out and said anything about it. I'm surprised that, you know, a guy like Patrick Moon, especially, who's, you know, a very vocal guy and who was not afraid to uh, call people out. I'm surprised he didn't even say anything about that. But uh, let's move into the playoffs real quick. Uh, right now, obviously, if they start at the playoffs, uh, when they come back, they got a first round uh, date with the Toronto Maple Leafs. How you liking that matchup? Uh, I love that matchup. Uh, speaking of, you know, teams that could be labeled the S word soft. If we are, if, if, if the lightning are soft, then what are the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because, you know, to me, they're, you know, a team that offensively can score. They have good goaltending. They don't have very reliable defense and they aren't a quote unquote, you know, tough team. So I kind of look at that as a matchup between a uh, you know, two teams that are similar, but one of them is clearly, you know, better than the other. And I truly feel that way, you know, objectively. And one other thing about the soft thing is, did, did was Pierre actually watching that Boston game? Because there were definitely some fists flying. I'm not sure anybody playing in that one was too soft. <laughs> it's actually funny because once he said that, I believe a couple of minutes later, all hell broke loose. Uh, uh, so someone definitely probably heard him down the bench and, you know, gave the okay to the boys. It's just crazy after that. Um, yeah, that Boston game was nuts. Um, it, it was – that was definitely a, a good test for them. Even though they lost that game, I believe that – you know, I've, I've seen some things on the internet and I've, I've listened to some other shows. And, you know, a lot there's a lot of Boston fans that aren't, aren't paying any mind to the Lightning. And I, I would – I would kind of hesitate, you know, you don't want to run into a team like this, especially if they have, if they're healthy and, you know, if you got Vasilevsky and that, why, why are you, why are you going to take us lightly? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't. If I was, look, if I was a Boston fan and I'm used to going deep in the playoffs every year and the lightning, you know, let's be honest, the lightning, you know, choked it away in the first round last year a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't be so concerned with them either, but, you know, looking at it from a lightning point of view, I mean, is there going to be a team more motivated when the playoffs do start? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, could the team possibly play worse than it did over a four-game stretch against Columbus? I don't think so. <laughs> and um, I think this team is very aware. They're very aware of what's happened really the last few years. And if this team is healthy, as we anticipate it might be because of this long break, you know, they're undervalued at plus 700 and they're, they're a team that really people shouldn't be sleeping on. They are easy to write, they're easy to write off from outside of, you know, maybe the, the lightning bubble or the Atlantic division bubble. If you're outside of that, they're an easy team to write off, but I think the wrong one. Right. Absolutely. Um, so just one last point, you know, I always like to play the what if game on my show. Um, so you know, obviously one of, unfortunately, one of the, the things that it seems like we always hear on, you know, season by season basis is Steven Stamkos missing some time to some lengthy time with, you know, some sort of injury. Uh, right now he sits at, you know, 422 goals with 832 points total. 
Uh, I was talking to someone the other day and saying, imagine the stats this guy would have had if he just played a full 82 games on a yearly basis. Um, I think that he would be top three, maybe top two in the league. You know, he would probably be publicized as much as a guy like McDavid or like an Ovechkin. What, what do you think? Do you think that I'm not far off or do you think that maybe that he, you, you know, with the more playing time that people would be able to figure him out more and, you know, his numbers would stay around the same? No, no, no. He, I mean, without the broken leg, without the other lengthy absences, you know, all that stuff. Like, I mean, he's missed a couple of hundred, you know, NHL games. So for a guy that scored four, over 400 goals in 800 games, you know, he scores every other game. So, I mean, if the guy's missed uh, 200 games for argument's sake, you know, that's 100 goals, you know? Yeah. So, like, no, Sam Coates is one of, and this is, to, it's, you don't even have to be a Lightning fan to think so. You know, you could, he has had problems with injuries, but when he's out there, he is one of the, you know, most deadly goal scorers in the game. He has been for years. And you know what? He, other than Ovechkin, there is not a single person I'd rather, you know, on that left wing, inside the dot, on the power play with a stick up in the air, waiting for a one-timer. You know, you had put Ovechkin on your left wing of your all-time line in the last show, right? And, like, yes. I mean, you can't argue with that. That's the guy. Like, you can't argue with that. But if there was another guy after that, you know, give me Stammer in that same exact spot because, you know, he rarely misses from there. I mean, he's, you know, you don't just win. You don't, you don't win the Richard Trophy twice on a fluke, you know. Um I believe, you know, the one – some of the goals, like I said, when he went down, that he's such a vile part to this team because he – just by the amount of power play goals he scores. And that Vegas game when he uh, put up two, I believe that both of them were on, you know, from the – they call it, you know, a lot of people associate the one-timer from the circle as Ovechkin's territory. But, you know, Stamkos plays such a similar game to where I feel like, you know, if he played just the amount same games as Ovechkin, I think that – you know, they would be probably neck and neck to some extent on their numbers. Yeah, I mean, look, Ovechkin is a goal scorer probably unlike we've ever seen. And and the fact that he is so durable, I guess, is another, maybe sometimes your best ability, you know, even if you have a wicked slap shot, is availability. So Ovechkin's always there. He always plays. He never gets hurt for that, you know. Uh, I commend him. Uh, other, than, other than him, though, you know, I mean, Stammer's, from that spot is Stammer's, you know, he's just as dangerous. I mean, maybe Ovechkin's got a better shot. But if uh, if if Stephen Stamkos' career ends up being, uh, comparison-wise, slightly worse than Alex Ovechkin, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that um, thing that really appreciate that I really appreciate about him, other than his goal scoring, is just his ability to create and to, you know, uh, create a create a scoring chance out of absolutely nothing. Um, you've probably seen a lot of those opportunities, even though they probably, you know, didn't turn into goals, you still see a lot of very good chances that he creates, uh, especially when he's out there on the ice. And that's definitely something that this team has missed since he went down. Yeah, my favorite thing about Stamkos is that he's a goal scorer, but he's not a, uh, you know, he's not, he doesn't have to score goals in order for, you know, to, to be happy basically with the result, you know, and I say that because ever since he started, ever since Kucherov really emerged as, you know, one of the most dangerous forwards in the whole league, Sam Coase's assist numbers have all gone up, gone up and that's possibly 
probably a lot to do with Kucherov, but it also has to do with Stamkos not, you know, not needing to score all the goals, being willing to be a little bit of a, of a decoy out there, especially on the power play. And that really has given Kucherov and Point uh, tons of room to operate over the past couple of seasons. So, I mean, he's a captain. He's a leader. You know, to me, I think of him just the same way as I thought of Vanilla Cavalier, who was my favorite player growing up, uh, a guy who sort of leads by example, willing to do anything, you know, it takes to win. So I guess if there is one positive to take from all this, you know, Tampa needs stammer out there. You know, I mean, it's not just losing a good player, but it's obviously, you know, your leader emotionally and Hedman's another one. So if we can take a positive from all this, man, it'll be that when things do start up, whenever that is, those two guys hopefully will be in there and it'll make a huge difference. Right. And speaking of when the season will start up, do you think that July is a realistic uh, start time for this league? Or do you think maybe they should, you know, and, you know, they the plan is to have the season start in July, play those remaining 18 or so games that are left, and then playoffs August and September with an offseason in October. Do you think that's realistic, or do you think that maybe, um, you know, they should just jump into the playoffs in July? Yeah, that sounds like a tough one, because you have to think not just about finishing this season, which is what we're all thinking, because we're fans, and we're in the middle of it. But the NHL is probably thinking of it big picture, like, can you really go one month off and then start up training camp for next season again? Uh, I don't know. You know, I think I, no, nothing that they do will be fair to everyone. I personally think that they won't play all of the regular season games. Every team has played between 68 and 71. I would probably draw it at 75. So you at least give teams a chance to fight for that last playoff spot. And then you could start the playoffs earlier or you would be cutting down playoff series from seven games to maybe five games or something like that, which people will also hate. So no matter how you do it, people will not, you know, like it, but I don't think it's feasible long-term to end the season in September and then start a new one in October or November. You know, that's so much hockey that these guys are going to play then between one July and the next July. Well, I think their reasoning for that, that kind of plan right now is just because they're thinking of this time off because obviously of the epidemic is as kind of like a second extended all-star break and then maybe next season they'll have maybe a two-week all-star break instead of a one week and they'll kind of give these guys a little bit more time off so they could play 82 games I threw the idea around on my last show that you know maybe they could somehow work it out where they could maybe play like 11 o'clock uh uh, game one and then just play a double header again at seven. So yeah. uh, I don't know if the guy, I don't know if these guys would want to do that. Um, it's definitely a tricky situation with how they're planning things just because contracts do expire June 30th. Um, and I was wondering what you think, what do you think the players association is going to budge on that? Or do you think, because I can't imagine a situation where these guys are going to be playing with no contracts. Yeah, I think that technically the contracts end, they end on June 30th because the season is like well over by then. Right, I think right. that there might be an addendum to that where it gets pushed back. Because if you think about it, and the season's going on in July and August, and I'll give you an example. Um, somebody like Tory Krug is one of the Bruins' best defensemen. If they're in a playoff race and it's July or August, is Tory Krug going to turn around and say, nope, I'm in a contract year, not going to play for the Stanley Cup? No, he's, of course he's going to play. So they're going to have to get on the same page and, uh, you know, figure some figure, you know, 
something out there. But I okay. do have a theory on this whole uh, schedule thing. All right, let's hear it. What do you What do you think <laughs> that? All right, if 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 you're made commissioner today, what does Commissioner Brian Sosa do uh, to, uh, you know, kind of turn things around and kind of make bring some kind of normalcy to the NHL? What, what are you doing on your first day in office schedule? First first day in office, Gary Bettman is now coffee boy. Gary Bettman will go get the coffee. He will deliver the coffee to everybody who needs it. Uh, um, you know, for, for, for me, what I would do is I would use this as an opportunity to try to bring more eyeballs to the game, something that hockey has been trying to do. For that reason, I do not want the season ending in September, in October, because the NFL will be back and it will be dominating eyeballs, especially down there in Tampa. I don't know if you heard, Danker. They could they got a they got a new player down there. I don't know if yeah, you they heard got, the, I <laughs> the other day online that they have you know they got this new up and coming quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they got a guy. So yeah, so I actually think the NHL would be really, really smart to try to uh, condense things so that the the most important games were actually being played in August when there is really just baseball on at that point. Hopefully, you know, if I'm assuming all sports will come back within a few months, uh, you know, so, I mean, and more eyeballs would be on hockey, you know, than ever. And, you know, the NBA would still probably be going on, but the NBA doesn't really have the same sort of viewership issue. People will watch the NBA no matter what. So I think the NHL would be smart to condense things a little bit so that they were playing, you know, the finals really right before September. Now I know that that sounds very, very soon because there is so much to play. So maybe it's not possible, but I, even if it messed up the way this season was, it would at least end things early enough so that you wouldn't have to push next season back too far. And then maybe by the midway point of next year at the end of next year's 2021 Stanley cup, Things are back to normal schedule wise, but hey, that's right. just one man's um, opinion. How about this? I'm going to throw this idea at you, and then we're going to end things right on that. Uh, how about this? Instead of playing the regular season, you take the top three wild card teams from each conference, and you throw them all to the pool into their respective conferences with the teams that are already going to make it, and you just have a round robin playoff, and then you just go from there. So you take the three wild card teams and you have them have a round robin for the two spots or throw them in with every other team in the conference? All the, all the teams in their respective conferences that have already qualified for the playoffs. So that would be, uh, but that would be, that would be nine. Right. I mean, obviously right? you're going to have a team that's going to be, and then you just play by best record or points or you do like a point system, kind of something how they do usually in the Olympics or so. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's not going to work out perfectly, um, with no, those nine, yeah. but, um, I'm sure that could kind of compensate those fan bases with, if you're, if you're going to do that in lieu of just playing the regular season games that kind of, you know, at least those, those fan bases could say, well, at least we had some games to kind of work our way into there or do just a round robin with those three wild card uh, teams in the hunt. Yeah, you know, I actually think something like that's a great idea because, you know, take off the Lightning fan cap and throw on the just hockey fan cap for a second. You know, there are teams vying for wildcard positions that, you know, it's a little unfair. You know, the Islanders are only one game out of a wildcard spot and they've played two less games. So, right. you know, they have a really good chance to get that spot if they just get a couple of games in there, which is why I'd love 
for them to cap it at 75 so that every team can get between four and seven games to try to get in there. I think it would be really, really exciting. But if they had to jump right to the playoffs, I actually like your idea, but I'll take it one step further. Take the top four wildcard teams from each and make one play four, two play three, and the winner of those games you know, are the two wild card teams, and then you jump into the regular format that you intended all along. Oh, that's but you I, give, yeah. I think I think when this whole thing's over, you should definitely send your resume to the NHL front office for uh, commissioning. <laughs> uh, have that your 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 point plan as to what you would do. But uh, anyway, hey Brian, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and um, you know, hopefully we get some hockey soon. And uh, love to have you back on. Uh, maybe in a couple of weeks to kind of recap how things have gone. If uh, hopefully this season we get some better news by then. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it so much, man. I love talking lightning hockey. I love talking with you. You do a great job on this podcast. So keep it up, man. I'll be listening when we actually get towards the playoffs. It's at least a little bit of solace to know the lightning will be there. So I'd love to discuss it again in the future, man. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, really appreciate the feedback. You know, you were kind of, uh, the top guy to go to when I uh, want to have any questions about what your opinion is on lightning hockey. Oh, please, man. I mean, uh, that makes me feel great. Well, good. Then I spend all that time watching the games. I'm glad it's not for nothing. All right. Uh, I'll let you go. I'm sure you're busy. Uh, I'll have a lot to do with, um, you know, all the stuff that's going on. So uh, be good, man. I'll talk to you soon. And I just want to thank Brian again for coming on the show. Uh, I know he's a very busy guy, but um, glad that he was able to make time to come on the show and talk a little lightning hockey. And I'll be back on Monday to, uh, you know, once again, fill your ears with more uh, news about the NHL as well as uh, your lightning. Uh, I'll, you know, maybe going forward, I'll talk about other things as well. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're not busy this weekend, go ahead and check out ESPN Diocho. I found, uh, you know, I totally forgot that they were re-airing those. So, you know, that's definitely something to kill your time. If not, go outside, play some roller hockey, do whatever, as long as you're six feet apart. And for the love of God, please wash those hands. So this has been Adam Danger from Lockdown Landing, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.